Welcome, my friends, to a very, very special episode of the Redfield Generation. This is Cafe Mocha. How's it going, guys? Yeah, this is indeed a very special episode of RPG. A little bit different. This is a compilation episode, the first of many to come. It is the best of the Red Pill Generation. And we decided to make some compilation episodes because it's been one year. You know, we started the podcast, I want to say June uh, 28, 2014. It's when we uh, released our first five episodes via iTunes. We actually recorded our first official episode uh, December 31st, 2013. Uh, it was New Year's Eve. It was, we never released it. We might release it in the future. We were just drunk and very amateur. It was, uh, it was, it was a shit show. But uh, for this, I think that this is going to be an interesting episode for fans. You know, uh, the best moments. Uh, and for anybody that has not been listening to Red, P- Red Pill Gen and comes across this randomly, then, you know, you get to sample the best of what we've done in the space of a year. And, you know, you let your friends know. Let some girls know. You know, share the content, son. So, in this particular episode, you're going to hear from Rohan Mahimkar. He's the co-CEO and co-founder of Prodigy Game which is a web-based uh, math game so, uh, similar to like Pokemon. So Pokemon meets, you know, uh, typical math for kids age around 6 to 13. Super addictive. Uh, he's doing great things and he's just a, he's a brilliant guy. So he has a lot of great information about building a tech startup. Um, fastest growing tech startup in Canada and branching over to the States. I think they just hit 3 million users. And then the next one is the how our first article got posted on Return of Kings and then trolled on a subreddit, the Tumblr in action subreddit, I believe. And it was just a very, very funny episode, just like what happens when you put yourself out there on the internet and then, you know, you get trolled, especially when you can't even, like the, the article that I wrote was incendiary and people just went insane. So that was uh, very, very funny. And then the next three after that were um, episodes that we did. We interviewed Vinny Vici, who's one of the co-founders of Red Pill Gen. He's got a couple articles on the website, uh, Do Raw Dog and uh, From Needy to Vinny Vici. Yeah, Do You Raw Dog, I know. So yeah, he, uh, the first episode with him is just basically uh, sort of a recap of Montreal, uh, what he enjoyed about the trip, what he learned from the trip. Um, and then the second episode with him was his journey from, you know, being an AFC average, average frustrated chump, basically going from a guy who had to lose his virginity to a prostitute to now, you know, running a successful PPC company that's pay per call. Um, and then, the, yeah, that was the first episode I was talking about it. Uh, Montreal second episode was talking about his journey and the third episode he goes more into detail about PPC and gives you actionable advice you know uh, if anybody's interested in any sort of online marketing business that's it's very good and he, just a location independent lifestyle you know Vinivici's somebody I'm really proud of to call my friend because I've seen him from go from this you know awkward guy to the guy that he is right now so I think it's it's uh uh, I think there's going to be a ton of great content in this. And we're just going to start off with a little bit of inspiration from the man himself, Vini Vici. He was talking about where he thinks PPC is going to go in the future. But I think a lot of the the words, the, the wording that he used applies for anything in your life, entrepreneurship-based. I think there will be way more traffic. I think it will be way more competitive. And I think whoever uses the the most innovative the one who is always ahead of the curve, who might be even uh, developing his own tools. It's all about uh, always being ahead of the curve. I don't know how it's going to be. It, maybe in five years, it's going to be totally fucked up. I don't know. Uh, but you know, it, there's no stable path here. You always have to change. You have to evolve. I was working at the bank 9 to 5. I know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's exactly the same that's happening today. Uh, in uh, internet marketing, it, things changes, but there's there's a sense of freedom you have when you don't have to listen to your boss anymore.
interested in than your parents. Oh man, so this was like a passion of mine for a while. Yeah. So when I was in grade nine, I discovered like the stock markets, and I was just fascinated by it. Yeah, what are you nine year olds doing right now, son? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? You kicking a soccer ball, son? <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah i was i was uh interested in investing discovered this thing called the stock market discovered that stocks go up and down and that people actually make money on this i was like what and uh basically when i was in grade nine i started in uh, you know playing around with a few paper money stock systems and then i discovered that people can actually you can actually make a good amount of money on this if you have the right strategy so I tried to come up with a few of my own strategies. I tried to formulate, you know, um, a few systems of my own. And then I started a stock trading group in my high school. And then I got other people into trading stocks. And basically, we were just entering some competitions. And I didn't really have any of my own money to put in, obviously, as a grade 9 kid. Yeah. Um, so Why mechatronics over going into business? I think business, you can learn, like... The last, I'd say, three years that we started this company, I call it my MBA on the streets. <laughs> like you, you pretty much learn everything that you learn in a business program or an MBA program. Maybe not everything, but most of the fundamentals, right? Like you learn how to manage people, how to like work with others, how to manage your finances, accounting. Um, you got to do a lot of cash flow and pay pay attention to that. Um, so all of the base skills and like writing a business plan. Um, actually executing a business plan, executing a marketing strategy, all the base skills you get anyway, right? So I thought the mechatronics could give me a base kind of skill set that I wouldn't get in a business program, which is like the actual programming, like the technical stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you want to start a tech company, it's really hard to do so with only a business degree, right? You'd have to at least have some idea of, or if, yeah, for a tech company, you'd have to have some idea of what you're doing on the programming side yeah. and how software works and how databases work and things it's like that. It's so, harder to learn that as you go. Exactly, yeah. As opposed to business. Yeah, it works a lot better one way than the other. So what our big focus was, our secondary goal, was to come up with a program that mimicked the way that human tutors engage with kids. So what's missing right now between um, how a human tutors a child and how a computer program tutors a child is a computer program has no idea of how that kid is feeling. So if I'm, if I'm working with, uh, let's say, Ash, and Ash is frustrated, mm -hmm. right? Um, I would change my teaching style. I would react to your frustration and say, okay, let me explain that a little bit. Let me slow it down. Um, computers have no idea right now how kids are feeling. Mm -hmm. So what we were actually trying to do initially was create a program which sensed a child's emotions and then responded to that in real time and mimicked what a tutor does. So if we had something that was really, really addictive and also figured out how the kids were feeling and learned and adapted to that over time, I think that would be the ideal kind of tutoring system. Because as engineers, I think one of the biggest advantages that we have and also, what's usually perceived as one of the big weaknesses is we didn't know a lot about the market that we were entering, so we had to talk to customers, and we had to make sure that our product addressed the customer's needs, right? So we worked with a lot of schools, teachers, kids, saw what was engaging them, what wasn't, and kind of through that observation, improved and built up the product. Yeah. Speaking about that, uh, were there any huge challenges you faced with uh, iterating on your product or any big failures that you faced? Oh, a ton. So not a lot of people know this, but we've actually cannibalized our whole product about three times now. So like the first time we launched our product, it was in a programming language called Silverlight. And mm. this was a really arbitrary and silly decision made while we were in our fourth year project. <laughs> and like, basically we were like, oh, let's launch just using Microsoft Silverlight. This is a great technology. Let's just, uh, let's just implement our whole product in this. And that failed because it didn't scale very much. Once we got past like the basic zones in a game, Silverlight isn't a very scalable technology. So we had to scrap the entire thing and make it from scratch in a program called, programming language called Java. Yeah. So then we did that, and um, we realized that there were some limitations there as well because schools can't install any software. 
now we're moving to something called HTML5, which is completely web-based. Uh, you don't have to download or install anything, and it's it's a lot easier for our customers to get in. Yeah, and that's also so, that helps with the iPads and exactly. Yeah, you can play it on iPads now. You couldn't before or on our current version. Yeah. So, yeah, which was like going back to something that we had talked about before when I went recently. Like I was with some family, mm-hmm. and there's a five year old kid running around with an iPad. You know, I'm like, I don't even have an iPad, man. Like, <laughs> but it's just a different time period where a kid like that, you know, maybe six, seven years, eight years old, who's yep. gonna be playing Prodigy, will probably be playing it on his or her iPad. You know, mm-hmm. so it's important. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, I think you kind of uh, you kind of talked about like your setbacks. Or... Yeah, yeah, that was kind of it's almost the same. Covered two questions of ours, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're jumping ahead. Threw me off. Jumping uh, the gun. One of the first things, well, not first things, but one of the early things you did was uh, that got you a ton of exposure, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. was going on the Dragon's Den, right? Uh, how did that come about? What was the process in terms of getting on there? And you know, what was that experience like? Oh, man, that was a really interesting experience. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the way it came about, I think it was very randomly. Um, someone... Uh, one, one of our friends have recommended we go on Dragon's Den. And basically we were like, no, no, that isn't for us. It's not uh, it's not the right audience and whatever. And uh, eventually we, we uh, signed up for one of their audition sessions. Mm-hmm. Right? And we went to audition there. There's basically a few of the producers that you do your pitch in front of. We had never done a pitch at this stage. Like We were almost <laughs> just fresh out of school. And uh, this was really early on in the business. We didn't even have a product. We didn't have any customers, no revenue. Um, and it was it was an interesting process. We got through that pitch session. And we were waiting for about maybe a month or two months. Where, and just, sorry, just where, yeah. did you, where did you guys pitch? It wasn't in, it wasn't in Toronto, right? No, no, it wasn't in Toronto. So they have, they have little pitch sessions all over the country. Yeah. Our specific one was in, uh, in Burlington. So mm-hmm. we pitched pretty close to where we're working right now in Burlington. And um, we got a call on like Thursday night, um, one of the weeks after the pitch. And they were like, hey, do you want to come to Toronto at 5.45 a.m. on Sunday? <laughs> and we were like, uh, okay. <laughs> and um, basically we got in front of the Dragons like two and a half days later after <laughs> So there's barely any time to prepare like an actual pitch. We're both Alex and I were kind of panicking before that. Yeah. Uh, like, what are we gonna say? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna explain this? And we put something reasonable together, and it was a, it was a pretty interesting experience, I'd say. Yeah. Like, don't don't gloss over these things. Yeah, like, you you barely had a pitch together, yeah. and you had like 48 hours or so to throw it together. Yeah. Tell like explain those 48 hours too. Us and our thousands of viewers. Lots of, lots of caffeine. Yeah. yeah, just lots of caffeine. We're, we're thinking about, like, how could we... So luckily I'd watched a lot of Dragonstone before that, right? So I knew kind of what the questions they asked were, and I knew we were going to get destroyed because we had no sales. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how could we not make that the focus so of this It was going to be like, show me the money. Yeah. <laughs> money. Percent stake. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very different from what we'd asked for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. The goal in going on Dragon's Den, we knew, we knew we were going to get slapped with that valuation, right? Yeah. Because we had no sales. And uh, the goal was just exposure. We weren't really looking to get a serious investment from them. So I'm pretty glad that we got these four offers and they were interested enough for a startup with essentially we were just out of school exactly. and we had an idea but no sales no customers or anything else I was pretty glad that we got four offers mm-hmm. um, we counter offered with we raised the amount so we went to 200,000 for 30% in our company and uh, there's a lot of deliberation from Jim to living and I mean, I mean at the end of the day it's like with the Dragon's Den the benefit is exposure for the most part because the deals that are made there, it's a high pressure situation. It's, yeah. you know, they're, they're taking it, I wouldn't say taking advantage of people, but they're definitely pressuring people into deals that are not necessarily the best. Yeah. And it's, and, you know, if you're looking for exposure, it's a perfect way to go in there, get some free TV time, one of the most yeah. popular shows in Canada. 
It's so, like a, yeah, it's like a national show, one of the most popular shows. When you try to quantify the number of eyeballs in terms of dollar value, like yeah. that's tens of thousands of dollars worth of marketing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So like it was, it was a good exposure opportunity. Really good to have someone to bounce things off. I think a mentorship mm-hmm. in any sort of aspect of uh, anything that you're trying to do to, that you've never done before, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good idea to have a mentor. Mm-hmm. Just identifying as well the right mentor. Exactly. The key is to have someone who's done it, right? Yeah. Because, like, so many people can talk about doing it or have seen other people doing it and try to derive knowledge through that, but you don't actually know until you know, uh, meaning you don't actually know until you've been through it. When did your business start? 2011? Yeah, exactly. And so when do you stop holding yourself a startup? That's the question I always (laughs) ask, you know, I don't even oh, know. Does man. anyone know when you start calling yourself a startup? I think when you start giving yourself a decent wage. You still call Dropbox a startup. <laughs> yeah. Like Dropbox is worth what, like five or six billion dollars right now and like they're still a startup. So. Twitter is a startup. Instagram yeah, exactly. is a startup. It's like mm-hmm. really yeah. multi billion dollar corporations. Exactly. So if Dropbox would be a startup, we're definitely a startup. <laughs> We then started hiring people, and hiring people is like one of the hardest things that you do as an entrepreneur. Because you want to mention his name? Uh, yeah, this guy's name is Steve. Steve. Uh, he's he's amazing. So, hiring people, we made a lot of bad decisions initially on, uh, on who we brought on to the company. I'm gonna, not going to name any names, but um, it was it was your mar- marketing guy, right? There was a, there was someone we hired for marketing who didn't quite work out to what we wanted uh, to what we expected him to. Mm-hmm. There was a few programmers we hired because we were looking for programmers, and at mm-hmm. that time, not having a huge network um, and not uh, being very, I guess, disciplined in our interview process, mm-hmm. we said, "Okay, this guy can program, so why not just hire him on as a developer?" <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Didn't work. <laughs> just, <laughs> You uh, you looked at the output between a good programmer and a bad programmer, and like the amazing programmers will do ten times as much as a regular programmer, and mm-hmm. the bad programmers will do I'd say one or two times in term on the negative side <laughs> as a regular programmer. Wow. Right, so it's actually negative productivity because you need to fix any of the mistakes. Yeah, I would be Ash. Ashcroft, Vanilla Ash, however you want to call me, I'm here, just coming back from uh, having sex, so if I sound a little more relaxed than usual, then that'll probably be it. I just had sex, <laughs> and it feels so good. I think, I think these guys heard some noises outside my room, so... I didn't hear anything, man. <laughs> you put on earmuffs, you blocked it out. All I heard, was, all I heard was weeping. <laughs> <laughs> cries of shame, cries of shame. This never happens. <laughs> of course, you recognize my voice in Cafe Mocha. Sexy, sultry. All right, let's get it started. Let's get it started. You want to do a cheers? Cheers. 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 Drinking rum and Red Bull. Rum and Red Bull. And lemonade. And we have, actually, we have uh, audience members today. This is, this we have series. spectators. Yeah. Spectators. Boyerism. Bold Russian, Asian Russian. You haven't heard the podcast episode? Check it out. Mm-hmm. Learn some things about business. Yeah. One of my favorite, uh, most favorite podcast episodes. Very good value there, I think. But uh, anyways, talking about what we're... Sucking dicks, bro. I can't. They're so delicious. <laughs> Pictures and the formatting done correctly and all that stuff. Um, and then Roosh goes through an editing process with you. So he'll, he'll go and edit it. He personally edits them. He emails you. He says, I, I've put some edits on the thing go check it out wait did he send you like a word document markups and stuff no it was uh, they have a wordpress uh, like I guess on the oh, back end okay. of wordpress it yeah, shows yeah. everything that Rush edited mm. so the funny thing was me and uh, me and white boy over here were joking like what if I just went and re-edited it back to the way it was originally <laughs> 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 the alpha is fuck man yeah. <laughs> like just trolling, trolling a trolling site such as okay. <laughs> inception <laughs> trolling Rush comes back and edits it and edit back like can't change my article bro <laughs> can't tell me what to do but um, they boot you off there for sure I actually did after he edited I actually did change a few things yeah as well yeah I changed like um, some paragraphs whatever just 
you know, a little little to assert your dominance. To assert my dominance, <laughs> of course. If I could, if I could, I would have put my dick on his shoulder. Ultimate. <laughs> 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 hey, man, be careful. You gotta look over your shoulder. What? <laughs> There's a dick on it. What are you gonna do when you see a big black dick on your shoulder? <laughs> be so, very afraid. So to be afraid of the guy. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? I, I got pretty excited. Yeah, yeah. So Mocha, you were you were really upset at those comments, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was crying in the shower, I was masturbating, crying. <laughs> but uh, let me ask you, Mocha, how serious do you take those comments? Uh, I guess about as seriously as I would ask Kim Kardashian to do my taxes. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> For real. All right. So no, no, no. I can break it down to you. Like, right, yeah, yeah. Break, I can break yeah, it down. Break down. Go for it. And when I read, okay, the Return of King stuff, because at the end of the day, it's mostly positive. Even the replies that were negative was like mostly <clears throat> just straight up trolling. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Reddit thing, I went there and my first reaction was, oh, okay, it's on Reddit. I didn't even know if it was on the Red Bull section of Reddit or it wasn't. <clears throat> and I started reading and I see like maybe, you know, 10 comments and it was all like super negative. So very, very, <laughs> you know, attacks on my personality and character. And I was like, oh, fuck, these fucking people don't like me, man. <laughs> I was like, I was actually a little bit upset about that. And then I realized, like, I, I closed it and I was like, I'm not going to read that shit. Because I don't want to make comments. And let me tell you, then, I, I went back through it and read every single one of those. It's like, I could do productive work or nah, fuck it. What did this person say? What did this person yeah, say? That was so funny. One of them was like, oh, you, uh, you're you not going to be friends with girls just because just because you want to have sex. You're such a man-child. Yeah. And like, to a certain extent, like that's kind of true, but I, I don't really feel that's what the article was conveying. I think it was trying to speak to the men who... Are friends with girls with hopes they're going yeah, to have sex like with them. Banging them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because bang, 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 kiss, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a good point. I mean, it's something I've kind of thought about because I used to be friends with a lot of girls, but it was because I was like, if I'm friends with them, then maybe dot, 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 <clears> dot, right? Yeah. But now, I don't know, I just get more out of dating women and fucking them and then being friends with guys. It's just. Girls, like I, I think someone on uh, someone on Reddit laid it out pretty well. Uh, the five reasons are number one, I'm an asshole. Number yeah, two, you're I'm an asshole. No, no, it's like four not an assholes and five I've never gotten laid in my life. Yeah, but no, no, continue. Because a lot of the guys in the Rishi forums are plus thirty years old. Yeah, and like so. usually pick up in itself, it attracts the damaged people, and they're looking for a way to fix themselves. And yeah, well, let's be honest. You don't become. I think Mocha said this. You don't become a pickup artist are not born except out of desperation. Yeah. Well, why would and you yeah. approach random people fucking seven times a week unless you were desperate? <laughs> 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 so there's another funny comment. This was my favorite, I think, from the Reddit. This one? Yeah. This article pissed me off beyond belief. Apparently, I need to end my relationship with my best friend because she's a girl, and I think she's reasonably attractive. I've never fucked her. I'd never fuck her, but it's not because I'm gay. I am, but that's not the reason why. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck does that even mean? I'd never fuck her because I value our relationship too much. I... What? <laughs> this was look not fucking a woman because you value your friendship with her is gayer than not fucking a woman because you're gay. <laughs> 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 wait, wait. I mean, like the the article, what it means really is it comes down to like not being friends with girls. Obviously, I'm, I'm friends with some girls. It just so happens that most of the girls that I'm friends with that are attractive, I've had sex with before. You know, and uh, when I meet a girl, you know, in any sort of social situation, for the most part, I want to fuck them. Mm-hmm. So if she's not interested in having sex, I don't see the point in hanging out with her unless she's an amazing individual, which is very rare, even with guys. You don't yeah. even meet that many uh, amazing guys, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of really the gist of it. You know, that's what it comes down to. But most of the friends, most of the girls that I'm friends with at this stage, I've done something. With. So I'm not really thinking of them. Like, I'm not, when I'm hanging out with them, I'm not thinking, fuck, I want to fuck this girl. Or like, oh, she's so fucking hot. I want to be with this chick, you know? And then it's a reasonable stance to have, I think. And then I think most guys, if they really think about it, that's how they feel. You know, 
like this dude who commented about his best friend being a chick. <laughs> but the because he's, he's gay, gay. But, that's yeah. but not gay. But, not, but it doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't have anything to do with it. He's yeah. fucking gay. Like, yeah. That's the reality. Some guys can't read the subtext. They see the title and they're like, man, fuck this. Cafe Mocha is <laughs> red pill bullshit. <laughs> As there, there was actually, there was one interesting other, um, other uh, counterpoint to it, which, which was one? basically commenting on your age. Like, fuck this, you know, 22-year-old. I should yeah, take yeah, advice yeah. from you. Which I can understand where they're coming from. Yeah, 100 yeah. But then the interesting thing is, okay, so I'm 22, that's supposedly considered to be like somebody who hasn't lived enough life to give advice, right? What is the age where it becomes like, <laughs> okay, this guy 29.43, <laughs> then you're good. This guy is you uh, your equations. Oh, damn straight. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. I mean, it's also like you have some, for example, 29-year-olds, fine, who don't know shit or are in some kind of really low negative place, whereas you have other 29-year-olds who would say, have done a lot, they've traveled, they've started their own business, they've worked on themselves. Stop the sucking bold rushes his dick, man. Come here, Baldy. Still sucking his dick, man. This is the beginning of the podcast. It's also like if you trust the person, don't be so ignorant. Like Again, the two people I hang out with the most, at least right now, who are beside me, are younger than me. And I don't really care. I value who they are, and I think they have a lot to offer. If I was ignorant, I'd be like, oh, they're younger than me. They don't know shit. That's pretty close-minded. I, I come from the belief system is like, take advice from anybody. I don't care if the person's homeless. I don't care if they're younger than me, if they're older than me. I don't care what the racial background is, whatever. I will listen. And if I take 1% of, you know, a thousand things that they say to me, then it's worth it. If it's one thing that's going to help me, and for sure, I mean, the article's not that serious, but there are definitely things in there that will go, okay, that's something I could take with me. Okay, so I, I saw him. I saw him with the chick, and I know there was a bit of drama with him and uh, the. That's, that's Asian Russian, by the way. What? Basically, that's Asian Russian. Asian so Russian. Basically, okay. from what I remember. Yeah, he pulled. He pulled. He pulled the, uh, no, the like, no, Irish, no. Scottish, like Asian chick. You know, she was like a whole mix. Anyways, but uh, from what I remember, he told me that he was basically being like jerked off in the washroom <laughs> and and Francisco Russian like no Francisco no Russian, Nico Bellic Nico, Nico Bellic opened open the door and he was like I guess, I guess he wanted to join so he opens the door and then they're like hey you know kind of busy <laughs> and then he, they, he closes the door and then he came back again to <laughs> uh, yeah. like uh, Nico Bellic Nico Bellic's an interesting guy having a good time just being stuck in my head and Sunday daytime, uh, I was uh, I went on a day game. Got uh, so I, I met this Russian, not Ukrainian, Ukrainian girl. Went on an instant date with her. She was kind of cute. Uh, and then that's it. And then I went some got her number, and that's it. And then I I met this other girl, this Spanish girl. Went on a date, instant date with her too. Uh, to go to the Starbucks, have a good time, and then I pulled her. When I pulled her back to the place, and then I think she saw the whole crew was there. Well, it wasn't the whole crew. It was um, it yeah, was me, it was me, Brown Genius, Francisco Russian, and Fable. Yeah, and I think she, when, she, could, she, she could she could smell all the abuse <laughs> that had happened. To her <laughs> <in the basketball. laughs> so she was a bit she was a bit stifled. If I can say that. Was, so, uh, was like, yeah, yeah. So I then. In that house, you were more likely to get fucked by more than one guy if you entered the house. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, could, she could tell that this place is not a safe <laughs> Yeah, shit goes down here. It's very bad. It's interesting to to hear that perspective, right? This is going to sound like super, I guess, not super pick up but it's going to be a little bit more pick up than we usually do on the podcast. But I guess it's just interesting to hear that perspective from you being at the stage that you were at the time because for me it's like whenever I've, I've told you this before it's like whenever and I talk about the killer instinct and stuff yeah. it's like whenever I whenever I bring a chick back to my place in my head I'm like it's a done deal like there's just no every, every almost everything that happens at my apartment is leading towards me fucking the girl like it's just I don't see why a chick would come to my house without some sort of intention of having sex exactly after that, was that the only time you hooked up with an escort, or 
was it did it happen a few more times or what was the situation um yeah so after the escort situation um i was still the same still depressed disappointed frustrated um um what happened then i went i went to college right i went to university so my money yeah. uh, i didn't even in university i didn't make i made barely a few friends uh, no girlfriend no dating i was kind of in this world of um, i was reading a lot about pickup about uh, psychology actually one of my major was psychology i was reading about stuff about how self-improvement but i wasn't taking any action um uh, let's say sexually frustrated i'll go to an escort so i think i've been to escorts for three or four times you know Actually, you know, fuck, man, like, I was just realizing it, like, I know we had this conversation before and I asked you many questions related to that because I've never been to an escort and uh, at this stage I want to go just out of curiosity rather than, like, any sort of need because, like, obviously I can get girls, uh -huh. but, like, I guess, uh, I mean, for a lot of people, maybe they've never been or they're curious or whatever. What's, what's that process like? Because one of the things I always think about is just that it's such a transaction, you know, like, yeah. You, this girl comes and you know you don't know her you don't know she probably doesn't tell yeah. you her roommate yeah she, I, I don't know if she asked for the money up front yeah. you bang <laughs> she bounced it's just you know <laughs> yeah i mean the first time was very awkward and yep. i was a bit scared like oh am i gonna be in trouble now am i gonna go to jail or something uh second time i kind of get used to it a little bit um third time fourth time um i remember every time i went after after the session I would be slightly disappointed by myself, like, why did I do it? Like, why did I spend that money? Because it was some yeah. money, I had to pay like, a few hundred dollars, and um, I would be disappointed of spending the money, and uh, it was just like a temporary relief. Like, sometimes you just masturbate or you take drugs to kind of escape your your reality of things right now. So it, it was kind of an escape, escaping from that frustration. That frustration, just releasing all of that frustration on the girl, I guess. Um, it was, uh, it wasn't, um, as, it wasn't, it was never really enjoyable. He was taking massive action. So we, we started gaming together for a little while. And um, after some point, I was actually getting, compared to him, exponentially better. I was able to, to hook, uh, get numbers, get many dates, while he was still in that phase of trying to calibrate after the opener. Yeah, and it was kind of frustrating, frustrating for him. And, uh, yeah, I think this is the point when he was kind of getting slightly jealous, not slightly, maybe not jealous, but really, he was really, like, he had this kind of, he was very frustrated, I guess, very frustrated, so kind of sometimes he would give me kind of bad vibe, bad, bad energy, but um, I kind of kept it inside, never really took it seriously until some point, I'm like, okay, this is enough, I don't want to be around that guy anymore. I know where I'm going with the day game, I know what I'm doing, and if the guy's gonna be like that, uh, I might as well just break off. So whenever you tell me this, it's so weird, like it sounded like a weird, uh, like almost like a, you know, girls fighting or something like that. Like it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, you know, he, we had a we had an argument and he stormed off, and we're like, oh, we haven't spoken in two days. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Is this your girlfriend? Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> You have, you know, two people that are working on themselves and are maybe not 100% uh, comfortable with, with themselves, you know, small things can turn into bigger things. So, like, instead of him looking at your success and being like, fuck, oh, well, Vinivici is doing really well, I can also attain the same results, you know, like, I can, I can learn from him more. He can inspire me. It's like, oh, he's doing so well. Why the fuck am I not doing so well? I used to be better than him. Like he's all the all these different things, and then the jealousy comes into play. And yeah, yeah, it's the jealousy versus like the using as inspiration. Like, oh, he did this, so I can do it. Oh, what can I learn from him? And like, yeah, I think it's natural to be jealous, but it's like, what is the prevailing emotion that drives you? Is it inspiration or is it jealousy in the situation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like for for me right now when I look at. You know, you know, sometimes you guys and you know, like you know the guys in the RPG in the group, somebody would do something amazing, and then I'm like, oh fuck, 
you know, I wish I could do that. Or instead I go, I maybe have like a, a small moment of a little bit of jealousy, but the, the overarching emotion that I feel is, one, I'm happy for that person, and two, I'm like, oh, it's great. If he can do it, then I can do it. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the same with me. Like, I always have usually a flash tinge of jealousy unless I'm in a kind of negative place, and then I'm like, wow, that's amazing. It's like when uh, Vinny Vici started making uh, his money off PPC, I was like, wow, well, I want to be doing passive income or passive location-independent income. So I had maybe two seconds of jealousy, and I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And I'm like, if one person, especially in our group, can do it, that means I can do it, too. Telling me, like, oh, you're, you're too much yang. You should be more yin. I was like, <laughs> I was like, motherfucker, I'm an animal, man. Like, you have to tap into your fucking animal instincts, bro. Yeah. Fuck bitches, get money. Like, <laughs> and then I remember we met up one night like i guess it was maybe in my first month in my condo mm -hmm. and uh do you remember that night do you yeah. remember the the certain hippie chick yes. yes what was your perspective on that situation i remember you you had given me a rundown in the past about yeah what you thought about for the me, whole situation for me it was like uh, okay I, I, this chick she's okay and uh, i was like i don't have a place but at the same time i wasn't that sexually attracted to her but if I could, I would definitely try to, to close. But um, I know you were telling me a few times, like, if you have chicks, you can pull back to your place. And I was telling you maybe you can go on double dates or something like that, bring chicks to your place. So I had this chick, and I contacted you. And no, I think what happened is you wanted to chill that day. So I met back, I went to your place, we chilled, and I told you about this chick. And she's a bit of a hippie. She's tra traveling North America. And... Um, so for me, at that point, I still didn't get laid, and I thought there's many excuses or many uh, thoughts running in my head. I was like, maybe I'm meeting the wrong kind of girls. Maybe because I'm I'm opening it, they're not they're not down to have sex. Period. So, uh, but people told me about actually there was this guy who told me, see, I, I didn't I didn't really know your game, how how good your game was back then. For me, I just, I mean, yeah, you said you had a gangbang and all that, but I didn't really know you that well in terms of the game. I just knew, yeah, you're probably like a solid guy. Um, so I, when I met that girl and uh, then I went back to your place, then I told, I told you maybe we can meet that girl again. She was doing like a, uh, she was showing her pictures in some in some lounge, so like we can go there, meet her, and pull back to your place. Um, uh, I kind of felt like I would not be able to, to close her. So that's one of the reasons why I want to see if you if you would be interested to to pursue her and uh, and obviously you did. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say yeah, and I remember you know when we when we got to the place, she was painting like that's what that's the reason why she was at the at, it was north by northwest north by northeast, and uh, you know there was like a live band going on and then she's like painting some like live art and stuff like that and then i remember i asked you like you know multiple times like <laughs> is it is it cool like and then uh you said yeah, yeah go it sounds it. very familiar to stories oh, that happen between me and i know that's what i was gonna say i was like it's gonna sound very douchebaggy to anybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like, so before i got caught for being a douchebag now we get to call mocha a douchebag hey hey man this is a completely different situation uh whatever <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, Vinivici, you're saying, like, you didn't know, you know, I could give my perspective, but I, I think it's more interesting to hear, like, what you saw. Yeah. Uh, what you so, took from it. when we get back to your place with the girl? So, okay, but, so before that, so at the, at the, at the, um, at the lounge, the club, uh, I saw you kind of being playful, trying to, to flirt with the girl. I didn't really think much about it. And I think it's only at the point when we got into the cab with the girl, and I saw you instantly grabbing her arm and caressing her arm. I was like, "Oh, this is pretty fast. Is that all right? Is that like I don't I don't even think you had much of a connection even at that point. We were just chit chatting, and she was busy doing her painting. So I remember straight from the cab, you you already start knowing her, caressing her her arm, and I was thinking maybe you're gonna fuck this up. This is this is way too early. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Maybe she's gonna freak out or something. But and then I remember you told me afterwards that she really enjoyed you, what you did, like the, the whole kino part. So that was the, one of the first thing I saw, which is what I usually don't never do. 
I don't go that you know that fast. So yeah, uh, so you 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 talk to her, you flirt with her, back to your place. Um, you told me to go to go to the bed, even though I was laying on the couch. I was I want to see the whole thing. That's why I was laying on the couch. I was I want to see like maybe you're gonna fuck her in front of me. I want to see that happen. So I was pretending to be asleep, and then you sent me a text like. Uh, go go to the bedroom. Okay, I have to go to the bedroom. <laughs> I go to the bedroom, but my my ears are all on the other side. I want to hear what's gonna happen now. Is, is, like is is um, uh, Mocha really gonna do it? Cafe uh, Mocha really gonna do it? Is she really gonna have sex with some random girl right now? Ash told me like a uh, somewhat of a mini strategy. You know what to do when you go on dates with. Uh, those Asian girls, like um, kind of the step by step kind of thing. So I did things a bit differently this time, and I also had this different mindset. And now, now I'm just gonna go for the kill. Um, so I kind of incorporated these two aspects into my game now, and I had a place now. And logistics was really good. I was on a campus. Go same, go on, on dates, but now things would be different. I I would get uh, get small makeout, and I would pull. But when I pull, sometimes I would would make out in the bed. I would sometimes finger a girl, get her almost naked, and even though I wouldn't even close, but I was getting something different now. It was more exciting. Still a bit frustrated because I wasn't getting the close, but I see that it, it was changing. Uh, it was getting more sexual, uh, more adventurous, uh, and then uh, there was I don't know why. It, one day, it just one day. It was a Thursday. I went on a date. Uh, did the same thing. Yeah, I, like hmm? I like how you remember the day. Yeah, yeah it was a Thursday. Yeah, it was a Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> I remember that. It was a Thursday. I met this <laughs> Korean girl, go on a date with her, do the same thing, kill instinct, um, the same strategy, pull her back to my place, and I close her. And uh, I closed her, and after I closed her, we had a little bit of a little incident, like her talking about what she, what she gets pregnant. So, so that kind of got me into my head. She's like, "What if I'm pregnant?" But I was, for, for the most part, I was, I was really kind of relieved. I was able to. You need to be a little bit detailed about how you bang this chick. You talked about it in the "Do You Raw Dog" yes. article. Yes. But so uh, what, 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 what happened? <laughs> uh, well, that, that chick is um, okay. So when I met her for the day, she was like kind of introverted and all that, playing the sweet girl. And she was like that until we had we had sex twice. The first time she was playing the dead fish. She was just on the bed playing dead and having sex with her. And and then after that I was like, okay, we had sex. I guess she's probably gonna go home now. Maybe she wants to crash here. Yeah, I don't mind. Uh, but she told me she comes up. She was pretending to sleep, I think. And then she comes to me and tells me, turn off the light. And now I, I was a bit scared. I was like, I don't know why she wants me to turn off the light. And uh, I did though, I did though, and then she start, she comes on top of me and she's like, you know, uh, her English is not that great, but she start using words like that, you know, uh, you want doggy style, you wanna, wanna come on me, you know, it, all this dirty, <laughs> dirty, <laughs> dirty talk, and she was talking in such a way that it was almost like she was kind of possessed, like she's like a different person. She was a different. Possessed uh, by <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite moment with chicks is like, um, there's one dude on a, a comedian on a podcast who was just describing. It's like it's just women have that thing where you you meet them and they just seem like cute and adorable and just just very very non, I no I wouldn't say non-sexual but close to that. And then there's that switch, man. There's just like a fucking switch when you get a chick turned on and she goes from like, you know, cute and bubbly and whatever. To like fucking fuck me with your dick, you know, like it's just fucking <laughs> like the slut way, but not like you know the derogatory term. Just like I fucking love sex and I I want it with you, and I'm just gonna be dirty and I I love you that age too. I think I just I think I'm gonna uh, free uh, what do you call it? I think I'm gonna coin a phrase, and I'll call it the slut switch. <laughs> the slut switch. <laughs> 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 It's it's the slut switch, man. I love the slut switch. <laughs>
how the fuck did you even discover PPC? What, what, what you know, what, what were your first steps? Yeah, yeah, and also maybe, like, why you chose PPC instead of, like, I don't know, uh, affiliate marketing or content creation. Like, why why that specifically? Yeah, uh, you guys can hear me well because there's some, some crowd coming in. You can hear me well right now? Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I can hear you. All right. Um, so how did I get? So what happened is I was working in in, in banking and then my my contract was terminated, and that was in the beginning of December of last year. And I was like, um, I always want to do something, something else. And I know there was this guy um, that I know who who is one of the best uh, PPC guy out there. Uh, so I knew him personally. He's from Toronto, and I knew he was doing PPC. So yeah. So his name is Leo, and he has a website called premium23.com. So I know him personally. He's from he's from Toronto, and he was doing paper call. And paper call is uh, it's part of affiliate marketing. So we used to have paper click back in the day. I mean, we still have paper click, but it's very saturated. Paper call is uh, advertising on mobile phones. So what is it's a click to call ads. So let's say you have a, uh, you got injured in a car accident. And you're on your mobile phone, and you need a lawyer. You, you go on Google, you type, I need a lawyer, and you will see those ads at the top. And some of the ads are, are from companies, some of the ads are from uh, third party uh, networks, and uh, I might be one of the guys whose ads you will see. Uh, and whenever you click on the ad, it's a click to call, which means it's directed, it's directed to a phone number that I'm tracking. And that phone number will go to the company. So you need a lawyer. You call the lawyer. And if it's a conversion, meaning uh, you either hire the lawyer or sometimes they have a duration. Let's say it goes past two minutes, they give you a thing. So let's say you call and uh, you go through that 120 seconds uh, call duration. I will get a commission for that because they will deem it as a as a lead. So uh, so yes, I'm doing online advertising specialized. So the first part would be generally, what do you think are the common mistakes that you know PPC guys make when they first start? Yeah. And then the second thing is, no, like I don't know how comfortable you feel about giving specific details, but like, can you give an example of maybe a mistake that you made with your campaign, yeah. one of your campaigns, yeah. and okay. how you corrected it, like something yeah. right. like very detailed? Okay, okay. I, I first question. Uh, by far, the biggest problem is guys. You would see blogs, posts, forums about guys making 10000 a month. Uh, sometimes they will have those little scammy things like make, uh, make uh, five figures in two weeks, whatever. You know, people get excited and caught up by this. And they don't want to learn the fundamental. There's a fundamental at any, anything. It's not just you finding a keyword and putting a keyword and making the money. It's not that simple. If it was that simple, people call will be already saturated by now. So there's a learning curve, and I think it's important for the first month, if you're really going to say, I'm committing to this, first month, just learn the fundamental. Don't put pressure yourself on making money. Don't, put, don't try to, do, to think out of the box. Just try to learn the fundamental. Once you know the fundamental, then you start thinking out of the box. You start experimenting your own little thing that you're learning through the experience. But in the beginning, just learn the basics, because the basics is important. You have to learn how to optimize. You have to learn how to read the data. You have to learn the business. It, it, it all comes into play. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, stick to the fundamental in the first one month. Then scale it up. Then try new things. Try new angles. Be creative. But first of all, people who don't make it, it's just because they gave up. I think I made my first 2K in that profit uh, on the maybe the third or fourth month and uh, two, 2.5k I think and that was more than what I was making while at the bank so I was like uh, so I even told my dad I, make, I made 2.5k net profit while being on my laptop which is pretty crazy and uh, I was Wait, like, what'd you, what did your dad say? <laughs> my dad was like uh, my dad was initially was like he, see, he was seeing this as a game maybe you should he was like okay you can do that part time but you, you gotta go back to work you gotta find a job you know, for me, for him, he didn't really, he didn't see the the high potential of it. He was, he was for him, it was more like gambling. He didn't really understand what it was, and you know, making money from the internet, uh, it's not in his realm of consciousness. 
for him it's all about the, the 9-to-5. Yeah, I think that was it's a good interesting episode. All right, so, so uh, follow us on Twitter, at RedPillGen. Wait, wait, I, I started, but uh, I, can't, I can't do the man, follow thing. Whatever, man. Stop being sensitive, man. I can't. Pull your skirt down. Emotions. Your vagina showing. My emotions. <laughs> Pull your skirt down, bro. Follow us on Twitter, at <laughs> RedPillGen. And uh, on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash red. What? That's what happens when you start www.facebook.com. You can find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com. Okay, let's, let's see. Take two. www.facebook.com slash what? Oh, okay, okay. What is that? Actually? I don't know why you're saying this. What? That's Facebook. Well, we never plug the Facebook. Why, why would you not plug Facebook? Plug Facebook, man. What? Yeah. Fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg. No. <laughs> is, it, is it Red Pill Gen or Red Pill Generation? Red. Wow. You're asking these questions. Oh, boy. Red hey, red. hey, don't be okay, anti Semitic. Okay, so, so it's. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter. Okay, Twitter, Twitter website, and then email. That's it? That's it. Really? Yeah, Facebook is Alright then. Well, take three. I hate you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, Red. Oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck this! <laughs> I can't talk, alright? <laughs> you just tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. I can't. I'm gonna screw up I think you can believe it. No, I can't. I believe it. No, I can't concentrate really hard. Forget about the ash. Jewel. Fuck the. Alright, man. Bottom of the night. Take four. Bring it home for us, buddy. I can't stop laughing. I can't stop laughing. This is the least professional podcast. It's all going to be added. I'm not leaving this shit. Jewel boy! I'm also not hanging out with Nazis anymore.